Hello, and welcome to the Bible Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Kelly, and I'm here to help you understand what you just read in the Bible. Hello, everyone. I am so glad you're on this journey with me. If you are new, welcome. If you have any questions on how the podcast is laid out, you can listen to my introduction episode. And everyone is welcome to go to my website, bmepodcast.com, to drop me a note ask any question, or just get up to date on the podcast with the resources I have there, including links to all of my pop culture references. Hello, everyone. Welcome to week 35. We are in Ezekiel chapters 1 through 21. Timeline is 593 BC to 591 BC approximately. And let's just jump in uh, between chapters 1 and 3. Keep in mind that this takes place after Babylon came and took exiles with them. These are the people that are left that Babylon let stay there. Um, what uh, usually poor, the, the poorest among us. And of course, according to Jeremiah, a lot of these people had been wicked as well. So anyway, just keep that in mind as we go. So what a vision that Ezekiel paints. There are some great artist renderings as to what this might look like. Some are kind of creepy, I will warn you, but certainly help me with my vision of the place and the angel that Ezekiel gets to see. And to see God's glory, wow. And then the spirit tells Ezekiel that he is a prophet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd pass out, so I give it to Ezekiel for staying with it. However, after Ezekiel is given the words he is to say, the bitterness and distress of it overwhelms him. I can't even begin to imagine how to process all of that. But after seven days, which we know God graciously gave him to come to terms with what just happened, he tells Ezekiel to get up and do as he says, which is when God says a wicked person will surely die if Ezekiel doesn't warn them or speak to them to tell them to repent and change from their evil ways, then that wicked person's blood is on Ezekiel. However, if Ezekiel does warn that person and they don't stop, that is on that own person's head. And the only time Ezekiel's mouth will be open is when God tells him to speak. Otherwise, he's staying in the house. In chapter 4, on top of everything else, God then has Ezekiel make a replica of the city and then create what a siege would look like. You know, the way it actually would happen as described in Jeremiah. Then God tells Ezekiel to lie on his left side and put the sin of Israel on himself, and he is to lay like that for 390 days, over a year. Then, once it is over, he is to lay on his right side and bear the sin of Judah, and he will lay down for 40 days. And to make sure Ezekiel doesn't accidentally try to turn over as who wouldn't do that in their sleep, God is going to make sure he is tied with rope and can't move. If this were to begin, say, on January 1st, he would not get to move until March 6th of the next year. And, for his, and as for food, Ezekiel was to eat... <laughs> oh, this... Sorry, this gets me every time. God lays out exactly what he has to do. However, when it got to cooking it over human excrement, Ezekiel was like, ah, no, uh, I just, I can't, God. I just can't. And so God relents and says it could be cow done. I know that's a little bit better, but oh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, let me just say how grateful I am that God did not ask this of me. So incredibly grateful. God then has Ezekiel shave his head and beard, divide it into thirds, and once the siege is over, then go and scatter it as God commands. This was to demonstrate the punishment that Jerusalem was to receive because of their evilness. Kelly's side note, does it strike some fear in your heart to wonder what will happen to your nation with the sin not only everyone else commits, but the ones you allow and participate in? It scares me a little bit if I'm going to be honest. 
in chapter six, if you lived in the mountains away from the city, well, too bad. You messed up too. And if you didn't die by plague, you will be dying by sword or famine. Chapter seven, Ezekiel's being a street preacher and talking about the doom that is coming to Jerusalem because of their sin and how they need to repent now to turn away wrath. You've been out walking and heard something similar. What were your thoughts? And did you take it well? I just trying to put that image into you of what's going on here. In chapter 8, the Spirit takes Ezekiel out of the meeting, out of a meeting and sets him to see what the Israelites have been doing to God's sanctuary. They allowed the most detestable of act, creatures, and worship into it. And even more reason for God's punishment. Then in chapter 9, Ezekiel watches as God commands a man in linen to go out from the temple and mark every person who grieves and laments of the over the detestable things happening. Once that was done, then they were to go through the city and kill everyone, no matter age, sex, kill the ones who didn't have the mark. Meanwhile, Ezekiel watching this is like, are you going to kill your whole remnant? And God says their sin is exceedingly great. And they say, I have forsaken the land and will not see. So I will not look on them with pity. Yikes. In chapter 10, what a scene. So God takes the cherubim from the temple, removes them and his presence from it. The thought of God leaving like that, what dread we will hopefully never know. Then in chapter 11, God has Ezekiel see and hear the plots of the wicked men, and then has Ezekiel go and tell them all that what they have done and are plotting is known to God, and their fears will now become a reality, and God will have them struck down with the sword they fear. Ezekiel is, rightly so, a little freaked out by what he sees and cries out to God. But the word of the Lord came to him and told him that those who had been exiled will come back. And what had taken place in Jerusalem would be fixed and they would worship God and punishment to those who didn't. And the spirit took Ezekiel so he could tell the exiles in Babylon what was happening. In chapter 12, God tells Ezekiel to pack and get ready to be an exile in front of the people. He's back from Babylon now. Hopefully they get this metaphor, but they probably won't. God tells Ezekiel how to answer the questions and what will happen as the people continue to be wicked. Chapter 13, God has Ezekiel go after the false prophets and the women who sew magic charms on their wrists to lie to the people saying God says peace is coming when there is no peace. They are all about to find out who got it. In chapter 14, God has Ezekiel speak against the men who have idols, how they need to turn away from those, or they too will be faced with punishment. In fact, goes on, God goes on to say that if a city or a nation is wicked, that they too will face the same fate. And that even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, they would not. They would only be able to save themselves. In chapter 15, God calls Jerusalem a useless vine. Ouch. I mean... Spiritually, that's just got to wound you and hope you never go there. In chapter 16, the comparisons didn't stop at useless vine, though, because next is an adulterous wife and literally says even Sodom and Gomorrah weren't bad. And God will restore them before he restores Jerusalem. Like, hello, he ended them with sulfur. If we do not understand how bad it is that Jerusalem and ourselves, if we act like this, is please take the comparison to heart. Chapter 17 is God talking in allegory through Ezekiel to the people and then explains to them what happened and why God is doing it. Chapter 18 is also what was explained in Jeremiah. No longer will the people be judged by the sins of their fathers. They are not being punished because of their parents or the generations before. No, they are being judged by what they did and that is how it will be from now on. If a righteous person is a father and their son is wicked, the father will be spared, but the son will be punished. In chapter 19, God gives the people a lament to be used as 
not only a lament, but a reminder of what has happened so it doesn't get twisted as to what is going on. Then the people came to Ezekiel to inquire of the Lord, and you know, go, and you know, God was not having it. He sent them prophets, told them what was about to happen, has had Ezekiel talking to them, telling them what they are doing, and now they want to talk? Oh, no. And furthermore, God lets Ezekiel explain why they aren't allowed to inquire of him and why they are doomed. In chapter 21, God tells Ezekiel to start groaning about what is going to happen. Not that I don't think that was a stretch for Ezekiel, uh, but when the people ask Ezekiel what's up, he's going to tell them what God told him. Then God wants Ezekiel to go and set up a literal sign for the king of Babylon to the Ammonites and to Jerusalem. And God tells Ezekiel it is because the king of Babylon is going to ask for a sign as to which way to go. And God is going to make sure those signs lead to Jerusalem. So if God thinks you need to be hit over the head by a two by four, you're going to be hit over the head by a two by four. Just saying. Anyway. That ends our our study this week. Uh, if you have any reactions, thoughts, questions, or words you need to throw my way, please do so at my website, bmepodcast.com. Have a most fabulous week, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.